live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Good afternoon to you and yours, and welcome on this Wednesday, February 22nd, the year 2023. For those of the Catholic faith, it is Ash Wednesday, and uh, Mardi Gras season has come to an end. We've got 40 days, and then Easter is upon us, my main man, James Mesh. And we both had a day off yesterday, back, sitting in the producer's chair inside the game studios, which are on the campus of Delta Media, which is where you'll find KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on 1041 in Lake Charles. Glad to be there. Streaming around the world, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you're in the Acadiana area, we're also on television as we are simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. It wasn't a question of if, it was a question of when, and when turned out to be yesterday. Special teams and recruiting coordinator Brian Polian has been is now transitioning to an off-the-field staff role. Polian will continue to focus on recruiting and roster management, uh, something he's been great at. Um, and LSU will bring in a new special teams coordinator. Kind of the best-case scenario, right? It's a win-win for LSU. It allows Polian to focus on what he does best. Um and it also puts the spotlight on a glaring weakness. You can't finish 125th out of 131 teams in overall special teams efficiency and run it back again. You just can't do that. So change is coming. Who it's going to be, I have absolutely no clue. But when you're 125th out of 131 teams, <laughs> You're going upwards. You're going upwards. No question. Um, less pleasant variety of news. Malik Neighbors, LSU's top wide receiver, was arrested on Bourbon Street on Monday for illegally carrying a weapon. This occurred approximately 7.30 p.m. When questioned by the police, Neighbors acknowledged not having a permit. Um Court documents showed that Neighbors was released and not required to post bail. And then, after meeting with the New Orleans Parish Magistrate Court, charges were dropped as the one misdemeanor count of illegally carrying a weapon on Bourbon Street was dropped. The state refused charges yesterday on the condition that Neighbors not have his gun returned to him. So, um, just, a, just you know, when you get these kind of news tidbits at this time of the year, 
Um, it's never good news, but they've been dropped. I'm sure he'll have some internal discipline from, from the LSU football uh, front office, so to speak, and we'll see what happens. But all ends well that, uh, you know, uh, could have been a lot worse. Uh, young man, 19 years old, got to live, got to learn, uh, plain and simple. Boy, it's nice to be Trey Morgan today. Um, the last time an LSU baseball player hit for the cycle was back in 2010. Acadiana's finest, Mikey Matuk, did that. Yesterday against Southern University, Trey Morgan hit the natural cycle. Um, that means hitting the cycle in perfect order. A base hit, then he got a double, then he got a triple, and then he got a home run in the same game. Yes, LSU run-ruled Southern University 18-4. to um, LSU's 14-run margin of victory was the program's largest in a game in which the Tigers trailed by four or more runs. Four, you trail? What are you talking about? Well, it was not a great debut for former UCLA Bruin turned Tiger Thatcher Hurd. He gave up a run in the second, then allowed another to score on four consecutive singles in the third inning before being relieved by Christian Little with the bases loaded and nobody out. A one-out single brought two more Jags home before Little escaped uh, unharmed after that. He would go on, pitch the next three innings without allowing a hit or a run, and struck out six. So there you go. Still some work to be done for Thatcher Hurd. But LSU gets the win, and now they head to the Round Rock Classic this weekend to take on three different teams at Dell Diamond. They start the weekend facing Kansas State at 2 o'clock Friday. The game will be right here on the game, followed by Iowa Saturday at noon and Sam Houston State Sunday at 4 p.m. The LSU softball team, ranked as high as number eight in this week's polls, uh, remained unbeaten with a 3-1 win over Louisiana Tech in Ruston. So congratulations to them. And LSU basketball trying to end a 14-game losing skid tonight um, as they go up against Vanderbilt. Now, Vanderbilt suffered one of the worst losses of the season a few weeks back when it dropped its third straight, losing to Alabama 101-44. to Well, they turned things around since then. They have rattled off five consecutive wins including a victory over number six, Tennessee. So tip off tonight at six. And uh, I do believe that game is here on the game as well with pregame at 530 tip at six o'clock. So golly, it would be nice just to end the, end the misery, right? End the misery in SEC hoops last night. <laughs> they just keep Winning Texas A&M at home against number 11th ranked Tennessee. And A&M wins it, outscoring Tennessee 37-32 in the second half. And uh, in route to a 68-63 win, the Aggies are now 21-7 overall. More importantly, they are 13-2 in league play. It's just unbelievable. They rank 25th, but they're going up, up, up. They are in the NCAA tournament. Huge win last night for Missouri. 
in overtime. They beat Mississippi State 66-64, 8-7 in the league, now 20-8 overall. They're in as we speak right now, and Arkansas, with their athleticism turning things around, just blew the doors off of Georgia by 32, 97-65. The Razorbacks are now 8-7 and seven in the conference, 19-9 and nine overall. Tonight's slate, of course, Vanderbilt at LSU, Kentucky at Florida, Alabama at South Carolina, and Ole Miss is at Auburn. With that in mind, Blake Lavelle will be joining us at around 2.30 this afternoon. We'll go over all things with um, SEC hoops. Matthew Bruni will get things started up for us um, at around 2.15, about six, five minutes from now. And we'll talk about um, Brian Polian um, moving up to an administrative role who might fill his position. Um, the Malik Neighbors situation. We'll talk some LSU baseball and all that kind of uh, stuff. So um, we've got that covered for you. Mike uh, Huguenin will join us in the 3 o'clock hour as he does each and every Wednesday with Hump Day with Huguenin. We'll go over some um, the the NCAA after some studies they're trying to find ways to change and shorten games you know first the southeastern conference did it in baseball um with pitch clocks and trimming mound visits um it's almost like now pitching coaches have to sprint to the mound um ross dellinger our good friend of sports illustrated uh, said college football will look at four proposals at the annual ncaa rules football rules committee meeting next week in indianapolis to shorten games. Uh, I'll go over this. Michael Hugan and I will discuss it. I think some are very, very doable. I think some other ones are just flat out crazy, crazy. So we'll go, we'll go over that. LSU's women's basketball team. Um, the second NCAA tournament reveal is uh, coming. And LSU plays its last road game Thursday at Vanderbilt and then hosts Mississippi State on Sunday to wrap up the regular season. LSU has already clinched a double bye in the SEC tournament and will secure the number two seed by winning one of its last two regular season games. So um, everybody has uh, LSU as a number two seed, and it just depends on where, where they may end up going, what, what side of the bracket they'll be in. Um, but the women's basketball tournament top 16 seed reveal will come on Thursday. That's the second one. This will be during the halftime of the South Carolina-Tennessee game. So um, LSU's net ranking popped back into the top four on Tuesday night. UConn fell at home to unranked St. John's. So do the Tigers have the momentum to take it and make it to the number one seed line? We shall see. We shall see. They're 25 and one overall, 13 and one in the SEC. They have a net ranking of four. They have an RPI ranking of 14, but their strength of schedule is 102. Their non conference strength of schedule is 278. They are five in the AP poll, four in the coaches' poll. 
So we'll see. With the way UConn lost, LSU should move up to the top four and should be a number one seed heading into the SEC tournament. So there you have it. Um, Fun show plan for you and yours. We'll talk all things LSU with Matthew Bruni when we return after this timeout. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Join us for a day of golf and giving at the game charity Golf Scramble, benefiting Redbird Ministries, sponsored by Courtesy Bro Bridge. Hit the links at Farm Day Alley while supporting a great cause. All proceeds from the tournament will go towards Redbird Ministries' mission of serving families who've been given the extraordinary cross to carry, that being the loss of a child. In addition to 18 holes of golf, the day will include great prizes, food, drink, and a great day with the staff at the game and courtesy Brobrick. So gather your friends and colleagues for a fun day on the course while making a difference in the lives of those in need. Get your foursome together and register now at 1037thegame.com. Together, we can and we will make a difference. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And we are back 17 minutes after the hour on this uh, Wednesday, February 22nd. Some news coming across the uh the LSU football front. So let's get our good friend, Matthew Bruni, who covers LSU for Bengal Tiger on three. Said, Hut, hello, Matthew Bruni. How are you, man? Hey, Jordy, I'm doing well. It's been a, it's been a while, but it's uh, good to catch up with you again. Absolutely. I greatly appreciate your time and your candor. Um, I don't think it was a question of if. I thought it was a question of when that they would make LSU and Brian Kelly would make a change at the special teams coordinator position, but I think it's a kind of a win-win and that Brian Polian is, is staying on and transitioning to an off the field staff role where he's been really, really good as a recruiter with, uh, with NIL and roster management, right? Yeah. I mean, transfer portal as well. You throw that in there. Just, uh, I think him being a GM for this team, um, in this day and age, I think all, all college football teams should have, a GM of sorts yeah. to just manage everything. It's so many working parts and moving pieces. It's uh, it is a uh, chaos as we know. Even with the the quote unquote transfer portal windows that are now in place, uh, you got to have a guy like that that has the experience that he has, that has the knowledge that he has, that has the family tree that he has um, in a position like that. Uh, whenever you are you know taking, yeah. you are at one of the five best programs in the country. So. Um, yeah, I think you kind of laid it out well. Uh, it was something that I think I expected, but I, well, I, you know, after two months after the season, I thought it would come a little quicker. But hey, you know, uh, yeah. still February. There's still spring practices and stuff, so there's plenty of time moving ahead. Maybe, maybe uh, Brian Kelly was trying to get his ducks in a row and figure out, okay, who am I going to bring in? Because they finished yeah. 125th out of 131 teams in overall special teams efficiency. There's nowhere else to go but up in this thing. I mean, blocked punts, blocked field goals, 
uh, just breakdowns left and right. I've never had a season in my life following LSU football, and I've followed it for a long time, where you held your breath for punts, for yeah. field goals, for extra points, when um, for returns. I mean, it was like you held your breath going, what bad's going to happen now? Yeah, and then uh, Gregory Clayton, the walk-on, ends up being the, the savior somehow, and after Jack Bash and Malik Neighbors and all these guys go through kickoff returns and punt returns and nobody yeah. can do it. And so Clayton, thankfully, was able to do it. Um, obviously, the addition of Aaron Anderson, you hope, at punt return at the very least, right. I mean, could possibly kick return as well, um, will shore up a lot of things. And But then other than that, like you said, there were there were a lot of errors outside of just a muffing punt uh, that were cause of concerns. I mean, the yeah. kick return team, the punt return team, just a lot of mistakes left and right. So you hope... Whoever they bring in um, is able to fix that. Yeah, I, I don't know Brian Kelly's, um, you know, Holian came with him from Notre Dame. I, you know, you always kind of go with where you've been and who you've been around. I don't know who Brian Kelly's going to bring in, uh, but uh, we shall see. Holian uh, now, as he's an off-the-field staff GM kind of a guy, he can't go on the road and recruit, right? Because, but he was good at that. I mean, he, he he got after it and hustled a lot. So maybe it's not the the most perfect world, but at least he st- remains on as the recruiting coordinator. Um, so he so the recruiting coordinator role we believe will be moved to uh, Frank Wilson a uh, full time to handle the high school recruiting ranks. Um, okay, as far as the lead dog there, and then Polian. Uh, like we kind of said, will be more of an overseeing type role GM. Uh, but you're right, he did get out and recruit. I mean, that's, you know, if you're an on-the-field coach, one of those 10, you have to kind of. Um, but I think he'll, his presence will still be felt on a national scale. I mean, he has a lot of connections. He was a head coach at Nevada. He was head coach at several places. I mean, he was a coach at several places. So um, I think those connections will still be felt. But, yeah, as far as the, the title of recruiting coordinator, I, w- I believe that will be uh, turned over to Frank Wilson. Okay, very good. Matthew Bruni with the scoop. Um, Very good. Um, All right. Whenever you get a player in the news, a football player in the news at this time of the year, it's never good. Um, Malik Neighbors made made an awful mistake. He had a police say they spotted an L-shaped object in his pants, and it was a weapon that we wasn't registered having. I mean, he's been released. The The charges have been dropped, but but still, what what does LSU do on this match? It's a great teaching lesson for everybody else. But do you think any punishments coming down the pipeline? I don't. I don't think we'll have a. There'll be a public, uh, whether it's extension right. or anything like that for him. Uh, I I really think with it happening, you know, in February and during Mardi Gras season and stuff like that, it was just like a really um, not. Good situation from Malik, obviously, like you said. I mean, not registered. I mean, I believe he's under 21 and at right. a parade or wherever that he was at. Um, so just a lot of things you can't do. Uh, I think it's definitely a teaching moment for everybody on the team. Um, you know, obviously, you know, firearms is uh, prominent in Louis- in the south of Louisiana stuff, so it's just how to handle things, you know, how to take care of uh, yourself out there as far as mm-hmm. registering things and everything. So I don't think it will be um, a lingering problem anything like that i don't think he'll be suspended i don't think it'll be anything right. um huge at least publicly and i think they'll take care of it internally and kind of move forward yeah I, i'm with you 100 i can't think of any that's like the first thing um 
off the field since Brian Kelly's been here. Can you think of anything else that was of a, you know, not of a good nature? Uh, no, the whole Kayshawn, um rumors, and then that was that was weird, but that wasn't. Um, yeah, I mean, nothing Kayshawn with the was, authorities that whole or anything. With Kayshawn was crazy, so yeah. But nothing with the authorities. I mean, it was all. I no, mean, it's, it's been no. it's been clean, and that's that's uh, that's always good. Always good to have. We know when the spring football dates are. We know when the when the spring game is on a Sunday, huh? Sunday. Hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Why is that? I wonder. It's a good question. I, I actually I don't have the answer to that either. But it's a it is an interesting little change. I mean, people will either show up or not show up regardless of, of when it is. So hopefully yeah. the weather's good. Maybe they got a scoop on the weather a month away, two months away. <laughs> Maybe, so. Maybe so. Does basketball get off the schneid tonight against Vanderbilt? Geesh. <laughs> um, I, I thought I was hoping South Carolina would be the game. But, Me too. Uh, that obviously was not the case. I can't pick this team to win any game. Um, especially a Vanderbilt team that's actually playing pretty damn well. They I mean, are playing. Yeah. Beating Auburn. They've, they've, played uh, some pretty good basketball to this point. They've won five in a row. So I, yeah. I'm i not taking LSU to win this one, even though it's, uh, you know, you wish they would get one more before the season ended. The, the matchup predictor indicates LSU is the favorite at home. And I, you, you got to tip your cap to, to Vandy. They got beat by, what, uh, 57 <laughs> points to Alabama. 57. That was their third loss in a row. And now they've rattled off five wins including uh, beating Tennessee. How about everybody? Nobody's talking about Texas A&M, and they just keep winning, man. They're 13-2. Yep. and two. Yeah, I, I do a Texas college basketball podcast on the side, and it's uh, the last – basically last week was the first time they weren't on the bubble. And I was just like, man, this team – I mean, I've watched a decent amount of Texas A&M games. They are just really, really solid. So I'm just – Yes. They're 12-13-2 and two at this point in conference, and so they're finally off the bubble, and I think they're going to be a pretty tough out in the tournament. I think they're a lock for the tournament myself. Um, yeah, yeah they, they defend and they execute. They Well-coached ball club. Well-coached. And they got SEC yeah. players. And that's the one thing Mac McMahon doesn't have is SEC players. I'm sorry. He just doesn't. Not his fault. No, you're right. But next year, he, he better put all this in the old brain trust and, and learn from it and see what it takes to win in this league and go figure out a way to get those guys. Yeah, I think the transfer portal, that's all this year is about. I mean, they got two signees in the 2023 class that are both uh, look like fine players. They're not five stars or anything, but they they look like fine players. But um, I think this year is all about transfer portal. We've seen team after team after team across the country be able to bring in um, a new nucleus of players and be able to compete. I mean, I'm watching a team like Xavier over there with a guy, Sule Boom, from UTEP, who's coming yep. over there and have, averaging like 16 a game. There's plenty of quality players around the country you can find. Um, I think this is all transfer portal, and then you hope to return. You, you try to re- get back Tyrell Ward, Sean Phillips, and Jalen Reed, those three freshmen they have right now, and Right. You can do that. You at least have a young nucleus still, and you can kind of just fill in the pieces with transfer portal players. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, interesting to say the very least. Uh, UConn got beaten women's hoops last night. If LSU doesn't move into the top four and is a number one seed, they never will. <laughs> UConn got beat yeah. bad by a by a bad team, and they, they gotta they gotta move them up. What's the deal? 
Uh, and yeah, uh, and uh, Iowa lost as well, who was in contention. I think they were the yeah. sixth uh, overall. So, um, if the the whole thing is if LSU takes care of business in the regular season, and let's say they they make it to the SEC championship game, and let's just say they lose to South Carolina again, I can't see them not getting a one seed with a twenty. What is that? Twenty seven and two record with two, two losses yeah. to yeah. South Carolina. I mean that's. That's pretty, That's pretty um, pretty good, and yeah. I think that'll hold up against UConn and Iowa and such, such like that. So. Um, that's a that's a pretty big deal in my opinion. Even though the difference between a one and a two seed, if you're like the four and the five overall, isn't huge. Um, heck, it's a it's a, it's a you know how it is. It's always easier yeah. to be a one seed playing an eight than a two seed versus seven, and so on and so forth. That's right. That's right. Um... At least they'll get to host two games, and that that that'll be fun. Uh, but lots of hoops left to be played. All right, Matthew Bernie, I got the hint, man. I'm gonna call you up next week. We're gonna do it again, big fella. Um, and go go. I, I'm gonna bring my daughter to the game tonight. Um, and you know, if they go on another one of those shooting slumps, so help me, we're leaving at halftime. Can't oh watch man, it I don't blame you. I don't blame you. The South Carolina game was rough for all like 400 people in attendance. So God. I've never seen a player with, and I'm never critical of high school, college players, pros is fair game, but poor Adam Miller, he, golly, I've never seen a kid fall off the face of the earth like he had, he can't make a shot. Yeah, and the sad thing is that they need him to make a shot if they're going to win a game, so they just keep seeding him and hoping that it's one of those games where he makes like four threes, so. Maybe tonight will be the night he gets like goes like five and nine or something like that. That would be great. Yeah, they were overdue. Overdue. Matthew Bruni, you were overdue to come on this show. That's my that's my fault. But thank you. Uh, we'll do it again very soon, man. Have fun. No worries. No worries. Thank you, man. <laughs> you got it, buddy. Uh, Matthew Bruni, um, joining us. BengalTigerOn3.com. Timeout number two. Blake Lavelle talking more SEC hoops next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. We're brought to you each and every day by the great folks at ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlet. 60 of them in southern and central Louisiana. If you can't shop right at ShopRite, I'm telling you, you just can't shop right at all. Hang it up. By Ducks, cleaning America's air from the inside out. Eon of Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and Mandeville. The premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that helps you lose those unwanted inches along with permanent fat reduction. By the Louisiana Lottery. Man, you can't win until you start playing. By DC's Little Capital Exxon with their true soul food deli. Home of the best cheeseburger your mouth has ever tasted. And by Cajun Chef. Turn up the taste with Cajun Chef Hot Sauce. Every day is a Chamber of Commerce kind of day when you're listening to the Jordy Holberg Show. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. We're back 35 minutes after the hour on this Wednesday, February 22nd, deeply entrenched in the league where it just means more. Uh, The managing editor at 14 Southeastern, which covers SEC football, basketball, baseball, and much, much more. We're thrilled and honored to have Blake Lavelle join us yet again. Good afternoon, my friend. How are you? 
Hey, Jordy, doing well. Good to talk to you as always. Uh, it seems like it's Groundhog Day, but I keep trying to get love for Texas A&M. All they do is keep winning. What did that win last night over Tennessee, 68-63, to 63, do, to you, do for the Aggies in your mind? Yeah, it was significant because, like you said, I think it's, it's something where, you know, we probably talked about it a month ago, is that, look, they're not going anywhere because, for one, um, the way they're playing, I think you have to be confident in them winning the games that are on their schedule. And, you know, I think now you look at it and sort of see that, yeah, I mean, getting a win over Tennessee, that gives them six quad one wins, and we know how important those are this time of year. And, yeah. um, you know, and I think that's what it's come down to. They're 13-2 and two in the league. I mean, they, there were people still, when they were 10-2 and two in the league and had just beaten LSU, thinking, ah, I don't know if they're a tournament team. Well, all they've yeah. done since then is, you know, beat Arkansas, who's a tournament team, beat Missouri, who's a tournament team, and now beating Tennessee, who's a tournament team. So um, I don't think that XAM has a whole lot left to do uh, to prove that they're a, a tournament squad at this point because, you know, they've got a tough remaining schedule just because they have to go to Mississippi State and they have to play Alabama at home. But, um, I mean, I, I really think that there is the potential if for this showdown on March the 4th between Texas A&M and Alabama and Cobb Station to be for the SEC regular season title because yeah. right now – I think A and M set up to to win at Mississippi State and to win at Ole Miss, and you know, then it's just a matter of of Alabama. Uh, can they keep pace? So. Yeah, and I, you know, Alabama's got that um, that situation going on with their yep. best player, and I, I don't know how a team reacts to that, how they hand ha- handle that. They're at South Carolina tonight. Uh, we'll soon find out if they can put the distractions behind them and just go play ball. But A and M's right on their heels. Tennessee's now nine and six in league play, twenty and eight overall. Seemed to be a team that was way up high, and now the the doubts are starting to come in. What's happened to Tennessee? Yeah, I think for Tennessee, it's you know it's it's not on the defensive end of the floor um, because if you still look at their defensive numbers, they're just really really good still on that side of the floor. It's just the problem has become you know the pressure that their offensive inconsistency is putting on their defense. And when also we can't forget something too. You know, the past several games they've played without Josiah Jordan James. They play without Julian Phillips, two of their better players. Um now they beat Alabama without both of them. And I think that was a game that surprised people because those are two big pieces of the puzzle. Tennessee's gonna be a second weekend team in the NCAA tournament. I think they've got to have both guys. Um so that's gonna kinda of be, you know, or remains to be seen when they return. But I think for Tennessee it's the same stuff. Offensively, they just they are not consistent, and you know we we sort of saw that back with the Kentucky game in January. Well, now it's almost late February, and we've seen that a lot more recently, where they find themselves in some of these games where they just can't get a bucket for minutes at a time, and again, that's putting a lot more pressure on them to almost be flawless defensively. And when you play better teams, you're not always going to be flawless defensively, even as good as the Tennessee team is. It's just put a lot more pressure on them, and you know now they've lost five to seven, and um, yeah, it's it's not a great spot to be in for the balls. Right. Well, Blake Lavelle with us. Uh, how big of a win was that at Mizzou Arena in Columbia, Missouri, in overtime? Beats a Mississippi State's a tough team, man, but Mizzou yeah. gets the win, sixty six sixty four. They're eight and seven in the league. They got their twentieth win of the season. Um, that was a both teams needed it. Mizzou got it. Yeah, I mean, and I think for Missouri, the important part was 
the computers and the metrics don't love Missouri. And, you know, despite the fact that they're 20 and 8, they have a lot of good wins. And that's what they have going for them. They just have a lot of good wins. And they don't have any bad losses. You know, knock on wood, Missouri fans. Like, they don't have any bad losses yet. And they'll have three opportunities the rest of the way because technically they have the easiest schedule of anyone left. They go to Georgia, go to LSU, they all miss at home. Um, but I think what that did was it now gives them a little wiggle room if they were to lose one of these games. Um, I wouldn't suggest losing two, but the fact is they have the quality wins to support it. Um, and you got to give Dennis Gates a lot of credit for what he's done in his first yeah. season, 21 mark now, um, that yeah. they've been impressive at times. And, you know, I think you look at it from Mississippi State standpoint, like you said, it's going to be interesting. Mississippi State could be the last team in the field, but if they're still a team I would probably trust to win a couple games. And, yeah. you know, it, it's kind of that scenario. But the problem for them now sets up this very, you know, this is going to be the, the question that we all are going to have about Mississippi State. Do you have to go 9-9 nine and nine in the SEC this season to get in? Because if you do, they got to win all three of these, these next games yeah. because they're 6-9 mm-hmm. and nine right now. And the only team in the SEC that's gotten in with a losing record since, you know, the expansion was Alabama in 2018, now, if you recall that Alabama team did pretty much all their work up front. They lost five in a row in the regular season, yeah. um, but they won a couple tournament games and got in. That SEC was stronger than this SEC, and that's what would worry me if I'm Mississippi State. If they go 8-10 and 10 in regular season play, they don't have a great non-conference schedule. You combine those two together, I would not want to put that in the committee's hands. So I think they need to win the next three to be, be certain they're going to get in or make a long, deep run in the SEC yep. tournament. We'll see. Well, the thing that, um, like, I really like, look, you know, A&M wins in the 60s, Missouri, Mississippi State in the 60s. What I like about this team that always seems to come around and peak at the right time, Arkansas can score. They put up 97 yesterday. They, they've got athletes. I don't understand why they dip and why they don't play well all year long. But I'm telling you what, you get those hogs running, whew, good luck. Yeah, and, and obviously the return of, of Nick Smith has been huge for them because, you know, that was kind of the missing element. It, you just kind of never knew what they were going to do offensively, and that's why I think you were you could hesitate with Arkansas a little bit because you look up and some games they're just not able to score consistently. And Now, though, having a, you know, a top-10 draft pick back in the mix, and, of course, it was kind of weird the way it happened because, you know, he came back didn't play a lot against Mississippi State. Then he came back and only played, what, four or six minutes against A&M. You're wondering, well, is he actually back? Or are they you know, going to reverse again? Right. Or what's happening here? But you know, last two games now, against Florida and Georgia, he's played at least 29 minutes. And last night we kind of saw what he could be really capable of. He yeah. five threes. Yeah. And remember, we've had that conversation, Troy. It's not a great three-point shooting league. Arkansas is not a great three-point shooting team. Mm-hmm. But if you have a guy that can hit five threes, that – is able to sort of, you know, push things forward for what they can do offensively. So I think that's the big difference. We talk about schedules, too, at Alabama, at Tennessee, home against Kentucky. And I think for Arkansas, if they just get one of these final three, they are an NCAA tournament team. They lose all three, I don't know. It gets dicey. But if they win one of these three, I think they're perfectly fine. Blake Lavelle at 14 Southeastern. I don't Sometimes you got to get knocked down and kicked and, and thrown off the cliff. Um, and that happened to Vanderbilt against Alabama. They lost by 57, 57. And then all they did is rattle off five wins, including a win over Tennessee. Now they come to LSU. LSU's lost 14 in a row. 
How's LSU favored in this thing? The ultimate trap game, I tell you. Um, and we were we were talking about this on our show yesterday. I said, don't be surprised if LSU is either a very, very slight underdog or favored in this game because I think this is one of those ultimate setups for Vanderbilt. All of a sudden this week, all the attention is on Vanderbilt making a run to make the NCAA tournament. And, okay. you know, it, they're, they're, we're not the only ones to talk about that. They hear that. They, they hear all of this. And I think that's something where now you've done good work. You haven't – I mean, I, I'm of the opinion that Vanderbilt has to win out to get in because the, the computers don't love them. They were 10-12 and 12 before this five-game winning streak, and they don't have enough good wins. In this five-game winning streak, they've beaten Tennessee – and they've beaten an Auburn team that, quite frankly, Jordy, I think has a chance to play their way out of the tournament at this point. Um, okay. I think Auburn is going to be a dicey one. Uh, yeah. But, you know, it is kind of that for LSU, they've had some bad breaks, but they've kind of been right there. Now, obviously right there, I don't mean one possession every game. But, like, right. a majority of these games have been somewhat close. And I think that's why you look at a game like this for Vanderbilt on the road, understanding that they are in must – the next three games are important for Vanderbilt, but this is the one where if they lose this one, it's over. It's There's no killing. NCAA tournament conversation. Yeah. And yeah. so I think that pressure combined with an LSU team that has nothing to lose at this point except another game, right? Yeah, um, that's right. I, I think the psyche can, can come into play there, but still to me, this is Liam Robbins for Vanderbilt against K.J. Williams for LSU. And I just – Robbins has been the best player on the floor – even against some of the better teams in the SEC, and I think he's probably the difference maker here in this game. Okay. I don't know what happened. Sorry about that, Blake Lavelle, but uh, Kentucky, there's no more uh, whispers about uh, John Calipari. They're 9-5 and five in the league, 18-9 and nine overall. Uh, so tonight, LSU versus Vanderbilt. The Commodores are 8-6 and six in the league, but only 15-12 and 12 overall, but they're coming in on a hot streak, so uh, we shall see. They average 71 points a night. LSU averages 66. But at Vandy gives up 71. LSU gives up 69. So um, two teams in opposite directions. Vandy, five straight wins. LSU, 14 straight losses. Uh, we'll, we'll see. We will see. Um, all right. We'll take, a, uh, we'll take a time out here. We'll come back and we'll wrap up our number one. We certainly do appreciate Blake Lavelle at 14 Southeastern. So come on back. Our number two after this final segment here in our one. This is the Jordy Holberg show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The Astros getting ready for spring training, right? Guns and Roses speaking of the Astros, is playing at Minute Maid Park. And you can watch GNR live in person in Houston on September 28th. And you can do so with a simple text message. To score tickets, join the Games Text Club by texting ROSES, R-O-S-E-S, to 337-283-8100. That's ROSES to 337 283 8100. Once you're a member, you'll be eligible to score tickets to see Guns N' Roses live at Minute Maid Park, courtesy of the Games Text Club. 
Jordy Holtenberg is known far and wide as the Blonde Bomber. For the perfectly feathered golden mane he rocked back in the day at LSU. Just let your The hair may not be as golden or as long, but Jordy is still making a name for himself. Back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We're back 53 minutes after the hour. The Raging Cajuns back on the hardwood in the Cajun Dome tonight, taking on Arkansas State at about 745 p.m. They're 21 and seven overall, tied for third place in the Sun Belt. One win uh, will get them the much-coveted double bye um, in the upcoming Sun Belt Conference Tournament. Here's Bob Marlin talking about finishing strong at home. Well, it's very important, and we're trying to win two, as you said, and, and we're still mathematically alive to win the championship. Uh, to win the number one seed. So I told you guys last week we got to continue to fight uh, and we've, we've got to continue to improve. How important is it that these final two games are here? Well, it's a payback from earlier in the year, right? When we started six of eight and had a stretch, we were eight of 10, eight of ten on the road. So uh, it's good to be back home. Wish we'd have got one of those road games. But to be honest, the teams that beat us on the, the last three road games in a conference are, are better than the other teams we played. So uh, it's nice to finish at home and continue to have some momentum going into Pensacola. If the Cajuns win both games at home this week, guess what? It'll be the first Cajun team to win every home game in the Cajun Dome era, which began in 1985. So that's something to shoot for. They're not going to win the regular season, but second place is certainly mathematically, uh, you know, it, it, it much more realistic. Let's put it that way. Much more realistic. The main thing is you get the double buy into the quarterfinals. That's the key. So win one more, and and let's roll. I thought at one point in time this league might get two bids. I was I was um, drinking the Kool Aid. No, whoever wins the conference tournament gets in, and that's all she wrote. Uh, you're looking at NIT or some other some other little tournament after that if you don't win it. So uh, good luck tonight against Arkansas State. Um, certainly a very important ball game, to say the least. Coming up, our number two, Mike Huguenin will join us. We'll talk about some of the, the rule changes that might be implemented to speed up the pace of the game. These games are going on longer and longer and longer. The NFL has the formula. I mean, that poop there. I mean, they're within a, a minute or two of what their guidelines are. Uh, will college football do that as well? Got some that are bizarre possibilities that, that no way it's going to happen, but we'll discuss that with Mike Hugh and we'll talk NCAA hoops. Uh, and we'll talk about some of the, the spring, um, practices that are about to open up and who's the who's going to be the new kid on the block who's going to be the tcu next year if anyone so that's all coming your way our number two here on the jordy hultberg show so um we had matthew bruni earlier we had blake lavelle talking a lot of lsu sec hoops lsu versus vanderbilt tonight um so that'll be right here 
on the game. So tune in. Maybe, just maybe, LSU will get this thing done tonight and end this 14-game horrific, horrific losing streak. Golly, I feel for him. Really, really do. Never in my life have I ever experienced anything remotely close to that. Hour number two straight ahead here on the Jordy Helper Show. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. It's our number two of two, and away we go. Wednesday, February 22nd, the year 2023. Hope you're having a great, great day. Warmer temps, but the clouds are coming. Maybe rain's on the way. I don't know. I'm, I'm ready for some sunshine. I'm ready for daylight savings time to come. We got to wait till like March the 12th or 13th or something like that uh, for that to happen. Uh, I'm just ready for it. I w- My personal preference, I wish we had it all year long. I really do, uh, but I don't make those decisions, and you're always welcome to agree or disagree on that. James Mesh, my main man in the producer's chair inside the game studios. Which are on the campus of Delta Media, which is where you'll find KLWB, yes, indeed, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on 1041 in Lake Charles, streaming around the world, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you're in the Acadiana area, we're also uh, on television as we are simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. We mentioned uh, Malik Neighbors. Uh, The charges against him were dropped. And... um, after he was arrested on one misdemeanor count of illegally carrying a weapon on Bourbon Street in New Orleans, uh, the state refused charges yesterday on the condition that neighbors not have his gun returned to him. Uh, that makes sense. So disaster averted and avoided and uh, a valuable lesson to be learned in case you're just joining us. Um, the big story involving And whenever there's a story with LSU football, it always comes uh, to the headlines and front page news. Uh, LSU special teams and recruiting coordinator Brian Polian is transitioning to an off-field staff role. He'll continue to focus on recruiting and roster management. Uh, LSU will bring in a new special teams coordinator. Matthew Bruni earlier on said that – Frank Wilson would take over as the recruiting coordinator and then we'll see what uh, kind of a hire Brian Kelly brings in for a unit that finished 125th out of 131 teams in overall special teams efficiency. So um, let's wait and see uh, on that one where, where we go from there, right? Where we go from there. LSU men's basketball team back on the court tonight against Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's won five in a row. LSU has lost 14 in a row. Uh, something's going to have to give here. Um, LSU's going to win a game eventually. They got to win a game eventually. 
is tonight the night. Um, we shall see. Tip off 6 p.m. inside the PMAC, and you, you can listen to the game right here uh, on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. So we wish Matt McMahon's club a long overdue uh, win. LSU baseball keeps on winning. Um, beating Southern University in a run rule, um, 18 to four. Yes, 18 to four. And Trey Morgan was a star of the show, hitting for the cycle, a single, then a double, then a triple, then a home run. He hit him in order like that. That's called a natural cycle. Uh, the first Tiger to do so since 2010 when my main man, Mikey Matuk, did it. Um, so. Um, natural cycle, single, then a double, then a triple, then a home run. Pretty good. I think the hardest, if you ask back, I think the hardest one to get is the triple single. Okay. Double. Yeah. You got that home run. I think a triple is the hardest thing to get because you got to get a bounce off the wall or something, uh, to get it going. So congratulations, Trey Morgan. Um, uh, on a, one little negative side, was not the greatest debut for Thatcher Hurd. He came in. Everybody thought he was going to be a weekend starter. He may be. Great career at UCLA. Transfers into, you know, portals into LSU. Uh, had a rough, rough outing. Gave up a couple of runs and left the bases loaded with none out uh, in the third. So he was um, credited with allowing four runs in the game. All four earned. Um, and, and so not the greatest of debuts, although LSU certainly had the bats to uh, to handle things, to say the least. So Hurd goes two innings, uh, gives up six hits, four runs, all four earned, uh, three strikeouts, and three bases on balls with 63 pitches for the night. Uh, Christian Little came in, gave up a base hit, uh, none of the – gave up, um, you know, one hit, none of the runs were – the two that crossed were credited to him. Uh, six strikeouts, one walk in 43 pitches. So uh, another nice win. LSU improves to 4-0. and Now they head to Red Rock, which is a suburb of Austin. And they'll get underway Friday um, in a game that you can listen to right here on the game. They'll start things off with Kansas State, followed by Iowa on Saturday and Sam Houston State on Sunday. There you go. LSU softball team uh, remains unbeaten. They're ranked number eight in the country at this point in time. They won last night three to one over Louisiana Tech in Ruston. Uh, the Tigers will conclude their Louisiana road trip tonight at ULM. First pitch is set for 6 p.m. So um, they got something going on there. They got something going on there. So there you go. Uh, big, important game for the Raging Cajuns in hoops and in women's basketball as Arkansas State is uh, is in town. One more win secures a double bye for Bob Marlin's club. Um, you know, they can they mathematically they could still win the conference. A lot of dominoes would have to fall fall their way a lot. Almost almost too many for that to happen. So um we wish them all the best. Uh, UL's softball team uh, got a win over UCF last night as um, a couple of players stood out. 
Alexa Langeliers and um, Jerry Glasgow's club had a dominating eight-zip run rule over Central Florida. The other star was Megan Shorman through five, a five-inning no-hitter. Um, and at second base, Langelier was was terrific. So three for three with a double, a pair of three-run homers for a total of seven ribbies in the game. The UL improved to six and five on the season. So uh, looking up for Jerry Glasgow's ball club. So uh, there you go on that. Um, the Saints, uh, oh, Olivia Dunn, by the way, the LSU gymnast, is now the number one earner on Instagram with her 3.7 million followers. That large audience has made her the highest earning college athlete on the social media platform. Uh, the report from Bet Spurts, B-E-T Spurts, S-P-E-R-T-S, like experts, but Bet Spurts. That report says that Dunn makes between $31,900 and $43,200 for each sponsored post. I don't know how that works. She makes an estimated $15,000 to $21,000 per Instagram post. Sheesh. Uh, um, my gosh. I, that's crazy. I need to start getting on that. I mean, I wouldn't get 3.7 million followers, but Lord have mercy. That is just crazy stuff. Good for her. Good for her. Um, Saints news. The Saints are bringing back um, offensive lineman to the fray, Calvin Throckmorton. They signed him to a uh, one-year deal. He's worn a lot of hats in his two seasons with the Saints, and they're bringing him back. Uh, he'll return on a one-year deal that will pay him 940000 the veteran minimum for a player with two years accrued service time. Um, they signed Throckmorton, an undrafted free agent out of the University of Oregon. He played all five positions on the offensive line, starting games at four of them. He's been with the Saints for three seasons. Uh, he spent the entirety of the twenty of his twenty twenty rookie campaign on the practice squad. Uh, he's been a swing player on the interior of the offensive line the last two seasons. He appeared in thirty one games with twenty starts in his career. So you know, Andrus Pete's always hurt, so he fills in for him. Eric McCoy was hurt, filled in for him. Um, failed in for Cesar Ruiz. So he's a, he's a guy that can play all the positions. So there you go. So with Rock Morton back in the fold, New Orleans now has its top eight offensive linemen from last season under contract for 2023. So there you have it. Okay. Um, those are some of your headlines of the day. We'll take a time out here when we come back. The always informative, highly anticipated, Hump Day with Huguenin after this timeout. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Now, why wouldn't you want to take your lady out for a nice dinner? Well, you might be low on cash. No worries. The game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you. As a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to score great prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse 
at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort. Never been there, but I heard it's great. A $50 gift certificate to Richard Seafood Patio in Abbeville. Heard that's great, too. A $40 gift card to Misfits Dine and Drink in Broussard. A lot of fun there. And a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort. Just some hometown cooking. You can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. Uh-oh. Do you know what day it is? Huh? Anybody? It's time for Jordy to break down the biggest storylines in college athletics with Mike Huguenin of On3.com. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? Here is Hump Day with Huguenin. On the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. My main man, Michael Huguenin. How you doing, my friend? Doing, uh, doing quite well. Starting to get hot down here in Florida, so I assume it's Uh-oh. the same uh, where you are. I mean, it's getting 87 warmer. degrees Yeah, right getting now. a little bit a little bit warmer, but not uh, not too uncomfortable yet, but it's it's coming. I'm ready for daylight savings time, personally. But true, but that's, yes, yes. That's just me. Um, I, I want to begin today with um, the college football authorities um, who are looking at some proposals to kind of try and speed up the game of college football. They're going to meet next week in Indianapolis, and the goal is to try and shorten games. So I'm going to go over some of these things. Um, our good friend Ross Dellinger from Sports Illustrated used to work down here yeah. uh, in this in this area. Um, so let, let's let's go over some of these, and I want your opinion on them. Um, first, is outlawing the ability to call consecutive timeouts. In other words, um, a guy's getting ready to try and kick a game-winning field goal. The coach calls timeout. They break the huddle. They come out to kick it. They call another timeout. Uh, so the ice the kicker thing at the end of a half or a game. What's your what's your views on that possibility? Doesn't bother me if they get rid of that. I mean that that that, that, that to me is a that's that's fine. Back-to-back yeah. timeouts, rarely, what, 99.9% of the time are, are worthless to me. So that's, I'm, I'm, I'm on board with that one. I am, I am in 100% agreement. It just seems like, which, which tells me it's not going to happen because it just seems like the common sense thing to do. Yes. And when is common sense ever prevail? Well, that's anyway. very true with all of college <laughs> athletics, frankly. Yes. All right. Here's another one. No longer extending the game in the first or third quarters with an untimed down after a defensive penalty. Uh, under the proposal, the down would carry over to the next quarter. Thoughts? I, I, you know, I had to admit, I saw that. I'm like, I never even thought of that. But how often does that occur? Seldom, if ever. Right. So, I, sure, why not then? Yeah. Let's go ahead. Right. It, yeah. It, it just, it disappearance won't change the game. No, it in won't a negative change one way. thing. No. Yeah. But for the sake of streamlining, hey, why not? Let's go. Let's do it. All right. Uh, Proposal number three. The clock no longer would stop after a first down. This would mirror the NFL, which stopped stopping the clock on first downs back in 1968. So a first down used to be an automatic stop the clock. Now clock keeps running. Your thoughts? No, leave it alone. Uh, maybe start the clock quicker, but stopping the clock, uh, I think, helps teams rally 
in the second quarter and fourth quarter. If you want to stop the clock, I mean, if you want to stop doing that in the first and third quarters, fine. But don't 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 do it in the second and fourth. Um, according to a report, college officials figure that letting the clock run after first downs would eliminate about seven plays per game. That could have a widespread yeah, that, impact. Yeah, that's again, yeah, that's that, that one. If they're hell bent on on in, installing that rule, just do it in the first and third quarters. Don't do it in the second and fourth. I think there's a reason not to be exactly like the NFL. And I'll be honest, in, in the final two minutes of a half or a game, I like the fact that if you do what you're supposed to and get a first down, you benefit from that. You know what the, the saying is, fewer plays, the, the, the less risk of right. injury. What? Well, that, yeah, I mean, but you know, that's crazy. That's, that's always, well, let's, then fine, stop tackle football. I mean, it's the, less, right. the, the risk of injuries thing, it's a real thing, and I'm not trying to be snotty right. here, but that cannot be the rationale for that rule. Let's get serious here. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, here's the last one. I don't know. How this even got to the table, uh, the clock would no longer stop after an incomplete pass. Yeah, that's 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 ridiculous. Um, There are, I mean, which would I guess eliminate the the spike play. So that's that's that is a vast, vast sea change in the rules. Um, These other ones are sort of pebbles in a pond to me. This is a tsunami hitting the beach. You cannot cannot put that one in play. It's it's almost like we're trying to make football into what they call football across the sea, soccer. Let's play the game and then add stoppage time. Stoppage time, exactly. And, we, you know, let's get serious here. If we – I've used that phrase again. If you really want to – quicken the games, then do away with some of the commercials. But, we, of course, we know that's never going to happen. But, um, you know, Major League I know there's those folks who are livid that Major League Baseball has installed a pitch clock, all that kind of stuff. So I think that that's in ban the shift. And to me, banning the shift is... That, that's a legitimate strategy. That, that bothers me. I'm not really a huge baseball fan, but stop letting the clock run after incomplete passes. That changes the whole tenor of a football game. You cannot, you cannot do that. What I, I, this is a stupid question because I can't believe I don't know for sure, but the NFL, when they go out of bounds, they keep the clock running. Yeah, I they think don't there's start like the a two-second thing. They, they, you know, the they get the ball down. back in bounds, and then the clock stops, starts up again. But you're right. That's another. Right. But, I mean, college football, I think if you look, at a game in 1975, and then last year, um, the, the biggest difference is every single game is televised now, which means there's a lot more commercials. There hasn't been rule changes, I don't think, that have added 30 minutes to a game in, in the past 40 years. It's all about TV. That's why games are longer. So if you want to truly shorten the games – um, and, and fit them in a three-hour and 15-minute window and then get rid of some of the commercials. Now, you know that's never going to happen. No, it's never going to happen. No, especially <laughs> with you know the, the new TV deal for, for the Big Ten, the new TV yeah. deal for the SEC. Um, if you're ESPN, if you're CBS, if you're NBC, 
if you're Fox, you're paying all this money, and the advertisers are paying you. So the fact that the advertisers are footing the bill, yeah, there ain't going to be fewer commercials. No, that's like they keep talking about the NBA um, with this load management. Load management and just yeah. well, do less games. Are you kidding me? There's no way they're going to right. do that. <laughs> There's no way. Michael Huguenin on three. Dot com. We touched on it briefly, but, um, you know, the SEC with Oklahoma and Texas coming in and we think there's going to be a, um, you know, a, a nine game SEC slate. We think they're going to have three permanent teams um, like for an LSU. What would be the best three permanent teams from a fans perspective, from a um, broadcasting perspective? Who would be the three teams? I think for sure LSU and Ole Miss. Um, I don't know who the third team is going to be. Maybe Arkansas, Texas, or Texas A&M. Because um, I think that the SEC now has a perfect opportunity to be a little bit more geographic in terms of its scheduling with its annual opponents. You know, the, if you're in the SEC East – if you're Florida or Georgia, you're playing Missouri every year. No, no one cares. Um, if you're LSU, um, I would argue that LSU, at least, the SEC West teams are more natural in terms of their annual opponents. So if, uh, my assumption, if I'm an LSU fan, I've got to think they want to continue to play Ole Miss because that does have some history to it. I think you want to continue to play Alabama. Yeah. Um, and I guess the question is, you know, Where it seems to be, seems that every team's going to get two quote-unquote tough opponents and one easier. So the question is, if you're an LSU fan, is Ole Miss easier? Um, and if they are, then maybe you add Mississippi State to the mix. If they're not considered easy, uh, if they're not considered tough, maybe you add Texas or Texas A&M. And I'll be honest, if I'm an, if I'm an LSU fan, the idea of going to Texas every other year for either A&M huh? or a game with the Longhorns, that would be a cool, that's a, that's a cool trip. Yeah. Yeah. And it's drivable, especially the yeah. college station. I guess, I guess everybody can't schedule Vanderbilt. Somebody's going to get <laughs> Vanderbilt and they're going to be happy. And, and you know, Kentucky, Tennessee is getting Vandy. We know that. Um, yeah. And I think weirdly Mississippi Vandy, I think Vanderbilt has played Ole Miss second most of any SEC team. Um, I think that's right. So, but it's going to be interesting because if you're Ole Miss, you want Mississippi State, obviously. Right. And I'll, I'll be honest, I think every SEC West School wants to play Alabama annually almost because when Alabama comes in, the crowd is going to be good. So that's something to look at as well um, because you don't want your annual opponent to be a impossible drive or a long right. flight. Right. So, I yeah. Just, I have a – I hate – pulling everybody into one deal um, and taking the teams with the two top records. I, 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 I'm, I'm more of a West versus East. You could draw that line and there's enough teams West of the Mississippi East. That's what I personally like. I don't know why um, they're clumping everything together again. Cause I, I, I like the fact that it's clumped together. Um, okay. I, I think the East and West, Worked for a while, but until they expanded to our, to Missouri and Texas A&M, I think then it got became skewed a little bit um, because. But 
but no, I, you, you, your point is interesting because the presumption would be that Oklahoma and Texas are good annually. But if they're not good annually, that means the East is going to have Auburn and I'm sorry, Alabama and Georgia. They're hot right now, and I, that, mm-hmm. you're right though. That's it's half a dozen of one, half a dozen of another. But I still think that they're better off um, okay. having a 16 team pool from which to choose the, the teams that will make the. Uh, the SEC gotcha. title game. Um, Frankly, I think the SEC title game should go away, but we know that's not happening either. Just no. No way, Jose. No way. Right. Um, who does Georgia get? I mean, okay, so Georgia, Florida, for sure, right? You would think Florida, Georgia, and uh, Florida, Georgia, Georgia, Auburn, and Georgia, South Carolina. Yeah. Because, hmm. I mean, Georgia, Auburn is the, what, the Deep South's oldest rivalry. They played 120 right. times or whatever. Florida, Georgia is an annual big money maker for both schools because it's had a neutral site uh, in South Carolina because, again, it's an easy drive. Though I can see Georgia thinking maybe we should play Tennessee, but it, right now, you know, throughout most of this century, Tennessee would be considered weak. Now they're not. Mm-hmm. South Carolina generally is the weaker team, so if you've got Auburn and Florida annually, you do want to, quote, "Quote unquote easier opponent," and to me, that's South Carolina. But it's right. going to be fascinating, and you know, yeah. there's going to be if there's 16 teams, at least four, uh, maybe even six, are going to be totally peeved about yes. their annual opponents. What do you do, Texas? All right, you you got to have Texas, Texas A and M, Texas, then Oklahoma, what? and Texas, Arkansas. Okay, but who's I mean, Oklahoma's who's Oklahoma's three? Texas, Texas. Texas Missouri? A&M and maybe Missouri. Yeah. Hmm. It'll be interesting. I, you, you can't please everybody. No, There's you're not. No and, and again, it's going to go back to you're going to have you're going to have ads who want to say something but they can't because they'll be fined. And my presumption is though that even though the woke they they will risk a fine. There's going to be a couple coaches to come out and say this is beyond belief. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, with LSU fans, some people would say, "You know what? We we love the LSU Florida game. Well, we, yeah, we, we love that. And we, you're going to have to have Alabama. Um, you know, so it's just it's going to be very very interesting. Those SEC meetings in Destin will be uh, will be very interesting to say the least. We got to talk some hoops, so we'll take a quick time out here. Keep talking about those Aggies. They they just keep winning with Mike Huguenin from On3.com. Download the free Game Mobile app from either Android or Apple services so you can take the Blonde Bomber with you always. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. We continue hump day with Cuban. We talked some college football. Uh, now it's time to talk some college hoops where uh, the 22nd day of February, March is right around the corner, which means the end of the regular season, then conference tournaments, and then the field of 68 gets uh, selected and then Bedlam begins. Um, Houston back to number one over Alabama. Um, th- this thing is, is very, very fluid. I mean, this thing is, is probably going to change again, isn't it? I don't know. I don't know if Houston's going to lose again. That, that, that okay. league, the AAC, to me, is not very good. Um, Memphis plays well sometimes. Not They're not consistent. Um, they got some talent. But I'm not sure Houston's going to lose again before the NCAA tournament. I can see them going into the tournament with just two losses. 
Okay. Alabama, they're back on the court tonight. They're, they're, they're embroiled in some, you know, you always say this. If you're in the news for stuff off the court and whatever yeah, sport, good. it's never good. And it's not good in Alabama. I, I'm curious to see how they react to all the distractions surrounding them. Yeah, and I think that Nate Oates, some of his comments yesterday were, dude, terrible. are you paying attention to, to what you're saying? Um, and and, it, it, and, it, and the, the, the big story, obviously, it involves their best player. Right. Um, and I'm cynical because I'm an old guy, um, but my presumption is if Brandon Miller were the 12th man and not the best player on the team and one of the best players in the nation, he also would have been kicked off the team back when all this happened originally. Yes. Um, yes. But, That's you know, true. I think, he, I think the, the, the Nate Oates quote was wrong place, wrong time. Well, he put himself in the wrong place at the wrong time. So um, I think he was a little bit toned up there. And you're right, it is gonna, this is a team that's going to face distractions now the rest of the year. Because yeah. every time Brandon Miller has a big game, there's going to be people saying, oh, yeah, Brandon Miller, the guy who provided the gun in the yes. shooting, or the guy who brought the gun in the shooting. So um, it's, it's going to be interesting to see if Alabama can withstand the outside pressure now. Right. Forget, you know, forget playing well and getting, trying to become a number one seed. Now you have the added pressure of, yeah, you're under a microscope now for off-court stuff. I couldn't believe Oates and his comment. I just like, what the heck? And then, you, you're, you're, and then it was obviously bad. I don't care if, even if you're the most ardent Alabama fan because you have to realize that because he said stuff, and then, what, two hours later, Ooh. they released a statement. Yeah. This is what yeah. I meant to say. Basically, right. so that's yeah. That's just again. Oh, it's almost like I, I think if I would have been there and listening, I would have been looking around, going, "What is he saying? Yeah, Does he realize yeah, what he's saying?" So yeah, it made no sense. No. It was just totally just bizarre. Um, yeah. Pretty cool scene. Uh, they had shootings on the campus at Michigan State, and uh, the first time they got to play back at home again. Indiana in town. I, uh, that you know, Spartan strong. That was pretty cool. It was, and then, and you, you know, I think there's a certain resiliency now uh, in this nation because mass shootings happen almost yep. every day. It seems like, um, crazy. but I think there is something, there is some value in. Okay, let's get back to normal. Let's play a basketball game. Let's play hard, um, and, and that's pretty cool. And they left, I guess, what seven open seats in the student section. That's for the, right. the the ones that were killed and the ones who were still yeah. hospitalized, and yeah, even I think even if you're a cynical person, you had to watch that and, and have a feeling of being uplifted by it. That that's what sports does. I remember nine eleven with the president going out throwing the first pitch in Yankee Stadium. Just all sports has such a healing escapism uh, from reality. It's really pretty that's cool. Exact, that's um, exactly what it is, and I think at its core, it's there. It's grown men and women playing games and it yeah. does allow you to escape and that to me is the perfect value of sports there's nothing wrong with being able to escape and watch people play games right. that's a right. couple hours and yes. get away from it all um yes, exactly Matt norlander of cbs had a uh, uh, and i read it from start to finish about rick patino um who you know the the lifetime, like 47 years as a head coach. He's 70 years old. 
he's at Iona. Uh, they've won a couple of championships. He got him into the tournament. He's got a chance to do it again this year in a one-bid league. Uh, he says he wants to coach five or six more years. Does, does Patino have it? Does a school have it in them to hire a 70-year-old, a power five school? He, there's no doubting he can coach. No doubting. But would a, would a power five school take a chance on Patino one more time? Um, well, there's 68 power five teams starting this fall, or 69 power five teams with the addition of BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF. So my presumption would be, yes, there might be a Power 5. Yes, there will be a Power 5 school that is interested in Patino. The question will be, is Patino interested in the Power 5 school? Um, But, you know, everybody gets second chances. Everybody deserves second chances. I will say that, um, you know, I wouldn't hire Patino. I wouldn't hire Chris Beard. But Chris Beard's going to get a job. Uh, and I think Patino, if he, if he wants one, there's going to be a Power 5 school or two or three that want him. The question is, does he think he's a fit at the school that wants him? Um, you're right, Iona's already clinched its Metro Atlantic comp regular season title. Uh, they won the league by four games last year, but then lost in the conference tournament. So there's yeah. a lot of pressure because it is a one-bid league. And that I think that tournament starts in like 10 days, that league yeah. tournament. And, and I think that's one of the things. I mean, he lives at Wingfoot. He's got an eight-minute drive to that little school, and all oh, he's raising money like crazy for him. So there's a school that has a rich, rich basketball tradition that I'm very curious about, and that's the former Big East, Georgetown. Georgetown. How about that? Yeah, that's, that is a, you know, I thought Patrick Ewing, because he was a former NBA assistant and he coached here in Orlando, and I knew a couple guys who covered the team, and they're like, God, he's a really good big man coach. He really gets the intricacies of the game. He's got a great basketball mind. He, he thinks ahead. So, And I'm thinking, oh, my God, he's going to be so successful at Georgetown. They're going to get back to being a perennial 20-win team. They're going to yeah. be always among the top. They'll always be a top eight seed. A bad year, they'll be eight. A good year, they'll be two or three. But it has been just a abject failure. Um, guys, he gets a couple guys, but not enough. And they, they don't know how to win. It's like Nebraska under Scott Frost. If it was a close game, well, you know they're going to choke it away. That's right. And Georgetown That's right. does. That's right. Um, but it's not as big a reclamation project as it might seem when just looking at the record. But I also think Georgetown um, thinks of itself differently, and I think there are administrators at that school that would look at Patino and say, we don't need to hire somebody with that much controversy. The flip side if someone says, well, if you bring him in, you're going to win games and make money. That's and right. that's obviously the, the biggest lure in college athletics today. And Georgetown doesn't have football, so basketball is it. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Mike Hugan and On3.com. Um, back to football, because uh, the, 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 we'll see once, once the tournament uh, field gets selected, then we'll get into the nitty-gritty on that thing. And it's, uh, it's so fluid. Yeah, that's, like, that's Texas A&M, and I Texas A&M keeps winning. We could see 10 teams winning it all, but we could also see those same 10 going out in the Sweet 16 yeah. round. Yeah. It's going like to be a Arkansas fascinating tournament. So all, all tournaments are great, but there's 
noticeable flaws for each team this year. And you're yeah, like, absolutely. you can watch Which a one game it... and go, goodness Which... gracious, this team has no chance to win it all. And then the next game out, you're like, my God, how do they lose a game? It's, it's that right. way this That's year. Right. Follow the good guards and the star yes. player, and the, and you got a shot there. Um, I was watching TCU and Kansas play, and they showed Max Duggan uh, you know, after he picked up an award, he sat down in the seats and put on the shirt and all that stuff. And I'm, it, it draw, drew my attention to nobody thought TCU would end up being TCU and the, what they did this year. You, you study all this stuff. You you love this stuff. Is is there a, a team you're keeping your eye on in college football for next season that Washington. could be the TCU? Washington. Washington. You know, and then that might be cheating because they won 11 games this past year. But I'll be honest. If you talk to people who, even those who cover college football, and you know, I, I know a lot of those guys talking with them, nobody ever brings them up. As no. Attention. The, no. To me, they are the best team in the Pac-12. They have wow. Michael Penix back, the quarterback who led the nation in passing yards per game. Okay. Uh, they brought in two running backs in the portal, including Dylan Johnson from Mississippi State who's a phenomenal receiver. He's seventh all-time in Mississippi State history in career receptions. They have, wow. Washington has all three of its leading receivers back. All Two of them were 1,000-yard guys, and the other one was 800-yard guy. Four-fifths of their offensive lines back. They got a good tight end, and they added one from the FCS ranks. They have a – the only question about that team is their secondary. It's not very good, though. They went out and got a portal corner – from Oklahoma State, who was Oklahoma State's best DB last year. Um, hmm. To me, uh, Washington is a legitimate national title team that no one's talking about, and hmm. I think Michael Penix um, has a great chance to win the Heisman if he plays as well as he did last year. Last year, he was, you know, no, he, he was always hurt at Indiana, so he got no preseason pub, and then yeah. he, had, he had better numbers than Caleb Williams, but wow. Wow. There was no preseason pub, so that's what that's what matters. You know what they're going to say? They're all the way up there in Seattle. Nobody's going to see the them play. You know, yeah, East Coast bias against them. West Coast night yeah. games, but I really think Washington. And plus, they wear purple. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> well, TCU wears purple. So, oh, I got you, boy. That went right over okay. my. You see, you're so quick. You're so quick. Just went completely over my, what What does he mean by that? Okay. okay. I got it. I got it. All right, Mike Hugan and on3.com, you are the best. I love, I love our talks, man. It's so right, great. I always appreciate it. Talk to you uh, next week, man. Thanks. You got it, my friend. Thank you so much. Mike Hugan and on3.com. We've got uh, one more segment to go with some birthday wishes after this final timeout. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The monster trucks are coming back to the Cajun Dome. The toughest monster truck tour returns March 17th and 18th. And the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, has a VIP package to the toughest monster truck tour enter in the game rewards club at 1037 thegamecom The VIP package includes four tickets, access to the pit area, a merchandise certificate and lunch with the truck drivers on that Friday. 
The toughest monster truck tour is coming back, and you can win a VIP package courtesy of the game, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Here's three pieces of advice to live by. Never play cards with a guy whose last name is a state. Don't spit into the wind. And always listen to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 53 minutes after the hour as we wrap things up. The NBA All-Star Game was the least watched edition in its history. And the ratings hit a record low. Can we just do one thing? Just one thing. Do away with All-Star Games. They all suck. They all the NBA is a joke. It's a joke. Maybe it's maybe the kids like it because it's dunks and all that, but it's a, a joke. Baseball's a joke. Football, now we play flag football. I mean, come on. Do away with them. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Get it done. Get do away with them. Give all the players a week off. Give them a week off. Do away with the All-Star Games. Please don't insult our intelligence. Don't insult our eyeballs by putting on that type of a product. It's God-awful. It's God-awful. Anyway, um, there you have it. How about that? Um, Special thanks to our guest today, Matthew Bruni, uh, talking all things uh, LSU. Hoops team back tonight. 14-game losing streak on the line. Vanderbilt in town. They've won five in a row. Six o'clock tip. Uh, 5.30 pregame here on the game. Blake Lavelle at 14 Southeastern. Texas A&M keeps winning. They're 13-2. and two. Alabama's 13-1. and one. Alabama's on the road at Florida tonight amongst all their controversy off the court. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. And then, of course, Michael Huguenin of uh, On3.com. How much fun 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 was that if today is your birthday february 22nd happy birthday from all of us to all of you you share yours with from the basketball world rajan rondo is 37 years old today from tennis michael chang remember him he's 51 years old today from the world of golf vj singh is 60 years old today and back to the the to the hardwood Dr. J. Julius Irving is 73 years young today. Or could he dunk? Could he play from the ABA with the Nets into the NBA? Uh, won a title with the Sixers. Hey, 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 Dr. J. Yes, indeed. Um, tomorrow, Thursday, we'll recap all the hoops games. Cajuns, Arkansas State, Tigers, Vanderbilt. Um Pelicans back in the action and taking on Toronto, the sprint to the finish line, 23 regular season games left. We'll talk about that. Um, and so much more. Yes, indeed. So much more. So um, until then, come on back. Same time, two to four, same great stations, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Uh, streaming, 1037thegame.com, one zero four one thegame.com and simulcast in the Acadiana area on stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS fiber. So thank all of you for listening in and whatever form of those that I just mentioned or fashion that you do 
Uh, thanks to our partners for uh, supporting us each and every day. Believe me, we could not do it without you. Couldn't do it. No way. Um, James Mesh, thank you. So until tomorrow, I'm Jordy Helford. Stay thirsty, my friends. Do everything you can to stay healthy. Health is everything. Get out there and exercise a little bit. Uh, let's be kind to one another and be happy. Crunch time with Miguez and Mesh is next. I'll talk to you tomorrow at 2. So long, everybody.